Hello and welcome to Tomorrow is Yesterday, the Star Trek podcast, the show where we review every episode of Star Trek in production order. My name is Brennan Couch and with me this week we have a very special guest, Ryan Couch. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ryan Couch. No relation. Um, I'm from the same place as Brandon Couch and happen to live in the same area in in the same house, actually, but no relation. (laughs) Ryan's my wife. No relation. No relation, except by legally. Sure. <laughs> so, Ryan, how did you first get into Star Trek? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I oh, asked David so this. Oh, so my husband, um, also named Brandon Couch, but no relation. Um, he's this really big Trekkie nerd. And, you know, in the beginning time of my relationship with him, I was like, I don't know what this crap is, but if I've given Star Wars a chance, I can give this a chance. So... Um, I just kind of started watching it, and then I started liking it. But if you ask me a bunch of questions about Star Trek, I will probably not be able to answer. This is very well said. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. This is usually the point where David like comes up with something that has nothing to do with the podcast to talk about, but I'm not going to make you do that. I could, I could throw in a pitch. Okay. So, Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. I worked there. Sometimes. We got this new campaign going, and it's literally just dip in and dip out of our sauce. And so they got these big stickers that they put on the walls and the windows and stuff for the customers. I forget what they're called, but it's just like, just decals, basically. And when you come in the doors, it says dip in. When you go out the doors, it says dip out. And so me and my coworkers was like, oh, that's clever. So all of them must do that. And then there's these three huge ones that are the opposite on the walls and I was very disappointed um almost as disappointed as I was with my ex but you know I'm surprised you like admitted to where you work on Mike. oh yeah I don't work there <laughs> I've never said where I work the audience just knows I'm a pizza delivery guy that's it <laughs> I work at Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers all right before we get into the episode we have a little spotlight segment that we tried to start last year but then gave up on but we gotta do it again. Are you still on the dumpster fire that is Facebook? If so, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tomorrowtrekpod. We update every time we have an episode, or every time we're gonna miss an episode, which hopefully won't happen this year. My goal is to have an episode every week this year, except for last week, because we missed that. But that's the one. It'd be like that sometimes. It does, it is like that sometimes. <laughs> it do be like it that. It do be like that sometimes. There you go. Okay, you ready to get into the episode? I've been ready. Okay. Miri, first aired on October 27th, 1966, was written by Adrian Spies and directed by Vincent McAvity, who also directed our last episode, Dagger of the Mind. Which one was that? That was the one with um, Kirk in like the mental hospital with like that beam that affected his brain. I don't know if you watched that one with me or not. I'm not sure. Was it the ones where they were trying to remember what happened to them because they were having like weird dreams and stuff? Um, or is this just something that just happens often to the crew? <laughs> you might be talking about an episode of Next Generation where like they were like. I know Deanna sur- Troy was in it. Yeah, so that would have been Next Generation. Okay. But it's also not like that thing where. Oh, God. They were like. How many lights are there? How many lights do you see? <laughs> That's also Next Generation. <laughs> That's Pic- that was when Picard I'm just saying, got it's like a similar situation. It, it is kind of. Do they, do they reuse tropes a lot? I feel like all of sci-fi reuses tropes a lot. But yes, yes, Star Trek does reuse a lot of different ideas. It oh. works, though. I'm interested every time. Yeah. Encapsulated. Encapsulated. Captivated. Captivated. I'm all in. All right. All the time. All right. Let's get into the cast. All right. We had Kim Darby as Miri, Michael J. Pollard as John, DeForest Kelly as Dr. Leonard McCoy, who we last saw in Dagger of the Mind, Grace Lee Whitney as Yeoman Janice Rand, who we last saw in Balance of Terror, Keith Taylor as Little Boy. Yes, that is his credit. Uh, Which one's Little Boy? Um, I don't remember. Ed McCready as Boy Creature, 
who we last saw in Dagger of the Mind, he was the inmate they were using the neural neutralizer on to torture him. I don't lie, that the freaking creature was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Flanagan as blonde girl. She was the girl who was blonde. Oh yeah. Like the oh like the one that was blonde? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh Stephen McAvity as redheaded boy. Oh hey, was he redheaded? Yes. Oh wow. It's weird how that happens. He also was wearing like this weird mask. I know exactly which one you're talking about too. Yep. Um David Ross as security guard number one. To think David's here to miss the actor who's so close to his name. David Ross. But it's okay, because he'll come back and David will be able to point that out. Man, that's a David loss. <laughs> Alright, let's see. There's Jim Goodwin as Lieutenant John Farrell, who we last saw in The Enemy Within. And John Megna. I don't know how to pronounce it, as John's friend. Megna sounds perfect for me. He was He was the one who was like, bonk bonk on the head. Bro, that the real was, bloodthirsty one. That, that kid was infuriating, <laughs> but not because, not because I thought he was annoying. It's because I he thought that he could actually take me. You know that kind of attitude. <laughs> and I was like, you try to bonk bonk me, see what happens. <laughs> uh, we open with a shot of the Enterprise. We see it from behind. Cut to the bridge. We've got uh, an Earth-style SOS. Farrell, who for some reason is the communications officer in this episode and not the navigator, says he's answered on all frequencies with no response. Spock says it's not a vessel, it's coming from the third planet in the system. Farrell says it's directly ahead, which makes no sense considering he's literally the furthest person away from the view screen, like the helmsman or the navigator should have said that. Hey yo, he's got, spe he's special. Leave <laughs> him alone. Uh, Kirk says there aren't any colonies out here. Earth's hundreds of light years away. Spock measures the planet. After hearing Spock's readings, Rand says, Earth. And Kirk says, not the Earth. Another Earth. No, they were just fooling the whole time. They were just <laughs> prank. They just took a couple wrong turns and ended up in a full circle. Okay. Yeah. And they just happened to land on Earth at a really bad time. <laughs> so that's what you think of the teaser? They went in circles. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I could see it. Okay. I went through a wormhole or something. It was the wrong wormhole, and they're like, oh, damn it. I can't believe the GPS didn't tell me before that turn. <laughs> so they have to, you know, like whenever we forgot all the, the gifts, whenever we were going back to Muskogee, they had to turn back around and go back through the right wormhole. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were seeing Ryan's family for, not Christmas, but like after Christmas, so we were going to take all the Christmas presents. And then we, like, drove for, like, an hour, realized we forgot the presents, had to drive an hour back, and then turn around to go back. Best time of my life. That whole two hours of going back to my house and then back to basically the same distance that we were before. But we took the tolls that time, so it was less timey. <laughs> Captain's Log, Stardate 2713.5. In the distant reaches of our galaxy, we have made an astonishing discovery. Earth-type radio signals coming from a planet which apparently is an exact duplicate of the Earth. It seems impossible, but there it is. Yeah, I guess, like, the infinite universe theory just doesn't exist there. Uh, well, there is a very similar theory in Star Trek, especially the original series, that, like, there are, like, parallel Earths, so, like, Earths at different times, so, like, you could have, like, a Western Earth or, like, a, uh, what am I trying to say, like, or, like, a back in the Al Capone days Earth. They mainly just did this because it's cheaper to just use existing sets that they just have on their lot that just look like Earth. I'm just saying, like, if I was, like, a like, big time travel person and I could, like, travel to, like, different galaxies and stuff, I'd 100% expect to see some whack shit, like, like a planet full of, like, giant fuzzballs that rave every night. <laughs> But, you know, like, fuzzballs like like dust bunnies from your, your air vents or whatever, or like, under your couch, you know, they're just sentient and just, they're just complete party animals. And you try to make contact and they just want to party with you. Sentient dust bunnies. Yeah. All right. On the bridge, Kirk orders Spock to keep the ship in a fixed orbit. Farrell's getting no response from the planet and Kirk says we'll send an away team down there. Fade to Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Rand, and two red shirts beaming to the surface of the planet. 
It's worth noting that in the entire series, this is the only time Rand gets to leave the Enterprise. Kirk says that it looks exactly like Earth in the 1900s. Uh, Spock corrects him and says it's more like the 1960s. I'm surprised they didn't come right out and say, actually, it's 1966. Damn near the 70s. Rand asks where the people are, and Spock looks at his tricord and says, these buildings have been falling apart for at least a few centuries. Rand says, so everyone's dead, and Spock answers, we don't have evidence of that, but the signal's probably automated. And McCoy has this fun line, now this is marvelous, the most horrible conglomeration of antique architecture I've ever seen. That's crazy. How old was he? Like, supposed to be? I don't know how old he is, but, like, it's, like, the 23rd century, and, like, he's looking at a bunch of 60s architecture. 23rd century? Would that be, like... Are we in the 21st century right now? We are? Yes. Okay, so, should it be 2300, then? No, I don't think so, because Enterprise is the 21st century, and that's, like, the 2100s. Hmm. So, maybe the 2200s? Interesting. Okay. A uh, red shirt walks by an open door, and we hear it close, so someone's watching. Uh, Kirk calls Spock over for him. He picks up a broken tricycle and hands it to Spock, who hands it to McCoy. Uh, we see this sickly, monstrous-looking dude jump dun, out dun, of... Dun. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> uh, he jumps out and tackles McCoy, yelling, Mine! 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 Uh, Kirk punches him. I feel like there were definitely better ways to make first contact, but... <laughs> yeah. But, you know, who knows? You know, at poor thing was distressed and they're like yeah, i know what'll fix this mccoy tries to comfort him saying someone will fix it spock says he's definitely humanoid and kirk notes but with the mind of a child the guy then starts having a seizure and dies i just think that's a whack assessment like how do you know it's the mind of a child this dude just ran out and was just like mine 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 like i mean and then started crying because his tricycle was broke they could be just highly emotional people they could you That's never fair. know. It's just, it's just an odd assessment immediately off the bat because you don't know the, like, how the species works. But, I mean, they were right, which, of course, they were right. <laughs> they just know things that they just shouldn't know immediately. And that's just because they're that good. <laughs> just that good. McCoy says his metabolic rate was incredibly high. Uh, it burned him up like he aged 100 years in a few minutes. They hear a noise and start chasing after it. Then come upon a building where they hear a door creak shut. Inside, Kirk sees a piano and asks Spock how old it is. 300 years old, apparently. We hear a noise from a closet. Kirk tells whoever it is to come out. I just want to say I really like like the, the major suspense of the entire episode. Just all the looming. It was like a horror movie-like. Yeah. And you know me. I'm a big horror fan. So I feel like Star Trek kind of incorporates that. Oh, yeah. Especially than... the original series. The original series was basically a horror show half the time. I feel like this could easily become my favorite my favorite season oh yeah i feel like it could all right he opens the door and it's a little girl pleading that they don't hurt her kirk repeatedly reassures her that they won't hurt her once out of the closet rand also promises they're not going to hurt her uh kirk orders spock to take the red shirt and look for more signs of life and bones wonders what could have happened to make her so terrified of them i originally thought that <laughs> that in this world it was like an like a direct alternate reality and that Star Trek um, existed in this reality as well. But, like, they were really bad people. Like, they were, like, Nazis or something. <laughs> that's, that's what's wrong. But I was very quickly humbled that that imagination was a little too wild. So Yeah. There is a universe where Star Trek, where Starfleet's <laughs> basically Nazis. The mirror universe. But we haven't got to that yet. Oh. I don't know if I've ever seen anything about that, actually. I don't think you have either. But it sounds cool. <laughs> it's Trek Star. <laughs> They're actually just rock star aliens that are evil and do science. <laughs> All right. Um, outside Spock is scanning for life, and we get a shot from inside a building of a kid's hand wiping just enough dust off of a window that we can see Spock through it. Spock notices and starts walking towards it. Uh, back inside, the girl is saying she remembers how you grups used to hurt people, and Kirk says... That wasn't us. We're here to help. And the girl says, Grups don't help people. Kirk then asks what happened to everybody. The girl, not realizing that they're from outer space, is like, You know exactly what happened. And Kirk's like, No, I don't. I guess that would be pretty frustrating to be like a 300-year, 13-year-old. So Yeah. He's like, what do, you, what do you mean, bro? Like, you were literally our parents and just, like, just killed everybody. What do you mean? Like, just like my, you know, like a parent that 
left and then just like whenever you're an adult they come back and they're like what do you mean emotional trauma i i was so nice to you i never did anything bad to you once and then you're like okay all right well then i'll have to spell it out for you the girl says quote you got a fully is that it you want me to play but i can't i don't know the rules i've got to know the rules I missed that part completely. What the heck, dude? <laughs> it sounds like uh, like they're freaking doing that greaser slang. Greaser you, know talking, slang. you know what I'm talking about? I, I know what you're talking about, like socias and... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know any other greaser slang. I just I just think that that might be something that they were trying to play on anyways, because some of them do talk like little gangsters. <laughs> that, that one basically might be like, yeah, they're grups, say, so let's kidnap the man, say. <laughs> basically... That was more like mob than it was like New Yorker gangster, but there is an episode where they go to a planet where it's a bunch of New Yorker gangsters. <laughs> in, the, in this series? In this series. Excellent. I would I can't wait. The idea is some dumb Starfleet person visited this planet years ago, but accidentally left a book and it contaminated their culture and it was a gangster book, so the whole planet's full of gangsters. Man, to me in the mind of these directors and producers, bro. <laughs> they must be smoking some good stuff to come up with some ideas. Bones asks what a fool he is, and she says uh, she says it's a game. Kirk asks what grups are, and she says you and onlys when they get old. Rand puts together that she means grown-ups. Kirk asks about the grups doing bad things, and the girl says that the grups got sick in the onlys head, and the grups died. Bones realizes that she just described a plague. Uh, Kirk asks about the other onlys and how many there are, and then asks the girl's name, and she says it's Miri. Yeah, I just, I don't even understand. Like, there's just so many. I know it's just Grups, Onlys, Fooly. So far, those are, like, the three that we've heard. But it's, like, it's just wild that this whole episode is sitting there, like, thinking mostly about the lingo than the actual story itself. (laughs) There's, like, a couple times where I was like, what the heck just happened? But it was mostly just like, what are they saying? What are they saying? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, here's where I'm going to bring up my like main issue with this episode. Pedophilia? <laughs> what? No, they would never. Yeah. The fact that like uh, Mary having a crush on Kirk, that's okay. Yeah, whatever. normal girl stuff. But Kirk flirting back with Mary and not at, at any point feeling uncomfortable with this kid flirting with but him But she's 300 is weird. plus years old. It's, it's okay, bro. He doesn't bro. know that yet. It's okay, bro. But he in doesn't canon, know that yet. But in canon, <laughs> she's actually a 300 year old demon <laughs> with wings and is immortal. So, that's, so that, actually, that's absolutely not what it is in canon. <laughs> I wish you understood the reference I was making. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hope somebody out there does. But yeah, it's weird. And he doesn't know if he's 300 years old yet. I'm going to explain the reference, actually. Okay. So, you might have to actually censor some things. I'm hoping not. In Japanese, or I don't know, it's like in, yeah, I guess Japanese, like, anime culture, it's like these dudes, I guess it's mostly like the weird people here in the U.S. that sexualize it a crazy amount. But anyways, there's like this thing where they, like, make very childlike, I guess, chibi characters and but they're actually adults but they hypersexualize them and so that's a way they get around the loophole is they're like oh yeah it looks like a kid but it's actually a 300 year old you know demon but like on the contrary if you had like this really old 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 looking person instead of a child you could get in trouble for making stuff like that but you can't get in trouble for saying like this thing that looks like a child is being sexualized that's weird it's pretty weird but that, that was my reference, is that that's where Star Trek was going with that one. It's like, but she's actually 300 years old, bro. Trust me, it's chill. Her parents aren't even home. Because <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Because of the plague and all the adults are dead. Oh, man. Okay. Where was I? Oh, yeah, I was talking about how Kirk's being weird. Yeah. We kept to Spock in the red shirts looking for more people. They walk into an alleyway where they hear a noise on top of a fire escape. Spock starts to climb it. We hear a creepy singing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I hated that so much. I was going to play a clip, but you just did it pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah, it reminded hear- me of getting bullied in elementary school. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we hear the creepy singing. Spock jumps down, and then the three of them are assaulted with a bunch of stuff falling from the roof of the building, all while the creepy singing continues. Yeah, 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 ye
that was just my Tupperware drawer in an earthquake. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they that wasn't they weren't throwing stuff off. <laughs> uh, Spock meets back up with Kirk and crew. Says there is lots of children, but they couldn't get close. Kirk says there's got to be records somewhere. Then asks Mary if she can take them where the doctors used to work. Murray says Mary says yes. And asks Kirk his name, and he says it's Jim. And then Miri sees a blue spot on Kirk's hand. The sickness has started, just like it did with all the other grups. And that is the end of Act 1. Just saying, whenever you mispronounce Miri's name as Murray, all I could start thinking about from that, point, <laughs> from that point on was how much better this episode would be if, like, children aged up too fast, right? And they were all, like... 45 year old middle aged men and women and like stereotype looking and like instead of a Miri Kirk was flirting with the Murray who was actually like a 42 year old man he's got like this wife beater on and a beer gut and like that <laughs> shoe horse like horseshoe haircut and like this big old mustache I, I would watch I would be so much more entertained with that <laughs> alright sorry <laughs> Act 2, Captain's Log, Stardate 2713.6. The building Mary led us to uh, also housed an automatic transmission station, which sent out the signals that drew us to this planet. We also discovered something else, that the blue splotches characteristic of the unknown disease had appeared on each of us, with the exception of Mr. Spock. There was a well-equipped laboratory in, in the building. Dr. McCoy took tissue samples of each of us in an attempt to isolate the organism responsible so i was thinking about that about why it doesn't affect spock and i was wondering if like if the catalyst is just hitting puberty or you have to go through puberty at least once during this infection and then like the disease just progresses from there on its own you don't have to just keep getting older to get worse but like i don't know what i'm trying to say is like what if he went through that what is it whenever the the Vulcans get really horny and angry? Ponfar? Yeah, so whenever they go through Ponfar, like, I wonder if, like, they would, he would get infected or something. I don't think so. I think this episode is, like, this is a very human disease, and Spock's, ina- Spock's biology is, is just too too different to He's get too to. OP. Yeah, like, it, like, later Bones is going to say that it doesn't like his green blood. But also Spock says that he's a carrier, so he can't go back to the ship because then he'd spread it. To be a carrier of a disease, don't you have to be infected with it first? But if you can't get infected with it. Eh, like he's half human, like the human part got the Ooh, disease. he is. Maybe. Hmm. But they didn't know he was half human yet, did they? Yeah. Yeah, they that's did? established. Oh, but we just didn't know he has a fiance or had. Yeah, that, that doesn't get established till like season two. Dang. But yeah, at this point he still has that fiance. He's like. He's the original series Data. That's what he is. No, Data's the next generation Spock. I guess. They are similar in some ways, but also very different in others. Yeah. I've actually, like, thought long and hard about, like, the similarities and differences between Spock and Data before. (laughs) Bones calls the Enterprise and orders Feral to beam down a biocomputer and a portable electronic microscope. Then there's this weird moment where Farrell tells Kirk he's got men standing by to beam down to help. So Kirk has to give orders that no crew members are to leave the ship. Then Kirk asks Bones why Spock's not infected. The doctor thinks whatever this is doesn't like green blood. Spock naturally says that being a red-blooded human has its disadvantages. But then starts talking... <laughs> that, that is a Spock burn. Way to make you feel like a meaty sack of flesh right there. Yep, that's a classic Spock burn. Uh, but then Spock starts talking crap about the microscope McCoy happens to be using for some reason. He's in full savage right now, dude. Which was weird. He, it was a weird thing. He did not give up on that green blood comment. He was like, right, listen here, <laughs> He was like, time to get roasted. <laughs> uh, Bones then sees a blue spot on his hand. Miri notices and says, it spreads real fast, I know. When you're old, it covers you like anything. Also a burn. <laughs> he said, look here, you fossil. You're going to be gone in two days flat. Straight dust. Uh, cut to Kirk and Spock finding files on a life prolongation project. Bone says that clearly they didn't, they didn't have much luck. We get another captain's log. Then we're back with Kirk and Spock trying to piece together what happened. 
Uh, it was 300 years ago. All the adults died and left the children alive, but children become adults. So Spock asked McCoy if there are any glandular changes that happened at that happened at puberty. Bones is like, yeah, but you know that. Spock theorizes that when the children enter puberty, they get the disease, which explains why there's no adults. Spock says that still doesn't work, though. If all the adults died 300 years ago, how are their children? How do they keep the line going? I think McCoy actually said that, but I wrote down Spock. I think I, that's my bad. I had serious children of the corn moments with this show, with this episode. Oh, yeah? Because I'm pretty sure that they, like, do some ritual reproduction crap for the children of the corn. I can't remember completely, because that was one of those movies that was like, wow, this is sick. And not the good kind of sick. <laughs> Just <laughs> like the ew, yucky sick. <laughs> <laughs> Rain asks that if Miri's never known adults because they died 300 years ago, then why is she hanging out with them? Kirk says, quote, Loneliness? I don't know. Curiosity? Then Spock and Bones are like, nah, she has a thing for you, Kirk. God. Yeah. I'm not a Kirk fan after this episode. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, cut to the Enterprise. Farrell gives Spock a bunch of numbers and science jargon that he puts into the computer. Kirk sends the red shirts to try to find more children again. Uh, Spock tells us that according to the life prolongation plan, they were trying to make it so a person ages one month every hundred years, but somehow created a virus that eradicated adults, and now we have a planet of extremely old children. Rain says, Children who never age. Eternal childhood filled with play. No responsibilities. It's almost like a dream. Until you run out of food and starve to death. Yeah, that's actually going to come up later. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Kirk and Bones point out that the dream's a nightmare with puberty being a death sentence. Rain says that if these kids are really that old, they've got to know what's going on. And Kirk says, no, nah, we're not dealing with old people who happen to have children's bodies. We're dealing with children who, hap who happen to be really old. Which is such a great point for why Kirk shouldn't be sexualizing this child. Kirk's not it's sexualizing this child. For Kirk to be flirting with this child. We were literally talking about him grooming. Come on. And at the end, he's like, she may be 300 years. Uh, he's like, she may be a child, but she's a 300 year old child. Well, no, at the end, he says, I never date older women. That's what I'm saying is like, <laughs> I, I don't think that's what he's saying. I swear he would. And that's why Futurama made a freaking joke about him with. What is it? I forgot his name. Well, Fut that Futurama character is more of a joke on Shatner than Kirk. I also don't know his name. I feel like a lot of Shatner just comes out in Kirk. All right. Kirk then asks Miri to go with him to find the other children. We cut to a room filled with children and we meet their ringleader, John, who wants to know why Miri's hanging out with Gropes. John comes up with a plan to steal the little boxes that the Gropes use to talk to each other. Ooh, yeah. Then the kids see Kirk and Miri through the window and hide. Kirk and Miri walk in. A kid who full on has the disease pops out and all the other kids scatter. The diseased kid jumps on Kirk's back and runs around the room for a bit. Eventually, he gets her off his back and shoots her, and she dies, even though his phaser wasn't set to kill. Mary, Mary says she was just a little bit older than her. Just a little bit. God, that makes me think of, like, these zombies that were in, um, the, uh, Left for Dead, and they, like, they jump on your back. They're called jockeys. They're crazy. They ripped off Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back at the lab, Spock has read all the notes and gone through all the data. 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 It's data. Uh, he says Mary has about five or six weeks left. The older, the older the person is, the more rapid the disease will be. Spock himself is a carrier, so he can't go back to the ship. And he does want to go back to the ship. He does. He really, uh, really, really does. Please, please, Poppy. Please, Senpai. Let me go back to the ship. Kirk keeps asking if there's any chance he's wrong. They get a call from Farrell. The computers say that Spock ca Spock's calculations are correct, and they have seven days left, and that is the end of Act 2. Captain's Log Supplement. This is the second day of the seven left to us. We found nothing. Enterprise is standing by with its labs and computers ready to assist us. There's no data, no starting point. I have two things to say about this log. One is that we see Kirk recording his log. Which is weird. It doesn't happen often. <laughs> it's happened in one episode before this one. So it's always just the narration? Yeah, it's usually just narration. 
But like this is the second time we've like actually seen him record actively recording. I it. like the idea of watching somebody record. I guess that's why the video <laughs> podcasts exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, when Kirk said no starting point, the captions on Paramount said no stopping point, which has less to do with the show and more to do with this episode having crappy captioning. Proper captioning is important to me. It is. <laughs> All the other episodes have had like great captioning. Just this one had terrible captioning. Because well, if the if the words that are being said don't match up with the words that I'm reading, that's gonna trip me up for like the next ten minutes, and I'm not gonna pay attention to anything right? that's gonna happen. I'd be like, did they? Which one did they mean? Which one did they mean? <laughs> All right. Uh, Bone says he found something. Kirk asked Rand to take Miri for a walk. According to Bones, the idea was to create a chain reaction of diseases that would extend life of the human cell. Kirk tells him and Spock they'll have to recreate and isolate the virus so they can create a vaccine. Bones is like, that's all, huh? Five days, sure. Did I ever, sorry, this, another interjection. Did I ever tell you, this, this reminds me so much of this story that I wrote whenever I was in, I think, 12th grade English class. And we had to, like, write a story about, like, a post-apocalyptic thing. And I was like, dude, this is this is my genre right here. I was like, I love apocalyptic. I love post-apocalyptic. I am in. And she kept saying, you have to work in groups. And I was like, please, God, no, let me work alone. And I was the only person that got allowed to work alone. I wrote that hoe in one night. And it was about this, like, these scientists that wanted to give a medication to people that would, like, expand their ability to use more of their brain. It's like, you know, the old, like, saying, which isn't actually true, that say you use 10% of your brain. No, you use 100% of your brain. But anyways, you say you only use 10% of your brain. Imagine what we could do for, like, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know. Anyways, so they wanted to push a drug that helped people, like, expand that, you know, and everybody was buying it. Turns out the thing also kind of spreads. It's like a community disease. So, like, if you have, you start emitting the chemicals as well, and then you can affect the people, and they started to realize, you know, at, like, 15%, like, they would they were side effects and it's like you might feel a little nausea you might feel like a little some headaches and stuff and like it just kept going on and like you know at like 25 percent they were like this is where it's going to cap out this is you know because we don't know what happens if you go further but there was a mistake in the the medicine and like instead of stopping at 25 it goes all the way to 100 and so once like they go through these stages they're almost like zombies and so it's like this stage seizures fever vomiting not like all sorts of stuff and it's like further down the line it's like you start to like lose your skin you start to fester and crave human flesh and then finally at 100 percent, your body completely transcends like you shed your mortal flesh and you become this like giant sentient brain that just flies through space and you don't need food you don't need water you don't need to reproduce you just are a giant sentient brain and we get really 2001 odyssey there but yeah yeah <laughs> i just thought that was a great connection there that those scientists were like we could live longer and mine was like we could turn into brains <laughs> can turn into brains if you want to edit that out you can Nah, that was good <laughs> do you like my do you like my story i do i do like your story i really wanted to do something with that at one point and i was like nah and nobody will care <laughs> but just imagine a movie like that dude all right we hear that creepy na 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 and There's they a are y in there <clears throat> it's yeah that is true there was a y in the captioning I told you caption is important dude <laughs> And they all run into the halls looking for the children. John sneaks out of a grate in the lab and steals the communicators. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy regroup in the hall. They hear the grate close and run back into the lab. Spock sees the communicators are gone. And Bones freaks out because without the Enterprise, they don't stand a chance. And I noticed the last time I watched this. That John stole the four communicators of the four main actors. But not the there red was, shirts. There was two red shirts there who would have also had communicators. By the way, at this point, have disappeared and we haven't seen them since. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> I was for sure at this point, I was like, there's two more for the count. But it just, well, it just didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Captain's log, star date 2717.3. Three days, seven hours left to us. Investigation proves that the supply of food left in the area is running dangerously low. Unless something is done, the children will starve in a few months. In addition, the disease is working on each of us according to Dr. McCoy's prediction. Our tempers are growing short. And we are no further along than we were two days ago. This is, this is the funniest part of the whole the whole episode, I think, is when they're, like, snapping at each other. It's like, wait, you do something then! You yeah. do it! <laughs> yeah, Kirk snaps at Bones. Bones snaps back. Kirk then 
knocks a beaker out of Rand's hand and that shatters. <laughs> petty, bro. <laughs> <He's>, uh. <laughs> Rand runs out of the room and Kirk follows. <laughs> In the hall, like... <laughs> yeah. In the hallway, Rand shows Kirk that she has blue spots on her shoulder. Look at my legs. Look at my legs, Kirk. Back on this ship, I used to try to get you to look at my legs. Look at my legs. Kirk tries to comfort her with a hug, and we see Miri in the doorway dropping some eaves. Why are you talking to my man? What are you talking to my man for? Um. <laughs> uh, Bones yells for Jim and they both run back in. Bones found the disease they made 300 years ago. So now there's a chance Kirk and Rand hug, which makes Miri sad. Cut to Miri with the onlys. John asks if this fully of Miri's will work. And Miri says, I know, I know. Don't you think I've heard them talk? They have such little time to do this dumb thing of theirs. This Boninsky thing. Boninsky, bro. <laughs> And if we get her away, that yeoman, that's one person less to start off with. Yeah, I, I can't even see Boninsky on any... I just looked it up, but, you know, it's usually there's, like, even an urban dictionary or something. You know, the fact that, like... I don't know, I just typed in Boninsky thing, and that was it. It was just, like, somebody with the last name, like, Bobinsky or something, but... <laughs> if you know what Boninsky is, I would love to know. Because <laughs> I don't know what Boninsky thing is. All right. Uh, the redheaded boy asks how they'll get her away, and Mary says she'll just say that one of the little onlys is hurt. Apparently, Rain's been asking about who takes care of the little onlys with no grups around, and John has this line that I just love. But grups, they know things and all that. They do. I mean, I mean, I am not one of those grups that know things and all that, but there are some out there. I do not know things, and I definitely don't know all that. <laughs> And Act 3 ends with this really disturbing moment. Lovey-dovey. Bonk, bonk on the head. Bonk, bonk. Bonk, bonk. Bonk, bonk. Bonk, bonk. Bonk, bonk. Bonk, bonk. I just, I appreciate this girl boss for just completely going in and all just wanting to murder this man and his girlfriend, or I guess love interest, just because she caught some feelings. Like, she's a complete psycho. <laughs> she's like, all right, I'm going all in, bro. If I can't have you, nobody can. <laughs> we open with Spock and Bones looking at this beaker full of red liquid. Lead, red liquid? Lead the liquid? <laughs> <laughs> The formula is right, but the question is, what's the dosage? On the other side of the room, Kirk is questioning Miri because Janice is missing. Miri asks if Kirk feels all right, and Kirk just yells, No, I don't feel all right. None of us feel all right. Can't you see what's going on? She was gaslighting hard. What's, <laughs> what's wrong, Jim? Jim, look at look at me. That thing that happened didn't happen. She, she was gaslighting hard. <laughs> She's so experienced at being a girl boss, bro. <laughs> Kirk goes over to Bones and Spock and says he's got to find Janice. And Spock's like, no, you also got to find the communicators. And Kirk's, and Kirk, like an angry child, responds, we're trying, Mr. Spock. We're trying very hard. I mean, valid, bro. Get, get <laughs> off his ass, for real. He's just like, what you, a captain can only do so much, man. Yeah. And Bones shouts back, that's not good enough. Uh, we could. <laughs> my, my parents. <laughs> Yeah, he shouts back, that's not good enough. We could have a, the cure, but we can't test it without the ship. Spock adds, without the communicators, this could be a beaker full of death. I'd be willing to take that chance. I mean, you're going to die either way. Bones later makes that point. <laughs> For real. Like, I'm just so glad that he was just old enough to be like, fuck it, bro. If I <laughs> die, I die. But if I can live, I'm going to goddamn try. All right. Uh, Kirk tries to get Miri to help. But she says she doesn't care. So Kirk hits her with the cold hard truth that if they don't succeed, every single only is going to die or going to get the disease and die. Miri tries to say that, no, it only happens sometimes. And Kirk's like, no, every time. As soon as you start to grow up like you are, Kirk grabs her arm and we see that Miri has a blue spot. Uh, she starts screaming, no, and Kirk comforts her with a hug. 
Now we're with the onlys in a classroom. John's friend is sitting behind the desk yelling, blah, blah, blah. And John yells, no, that's the wrong game. You're the teacher. So John, John's friend says, study, 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 or bonk, bonk on the head. This is how, this is how I just act every day. This kid's got a bloodthirst. <laughs> bonk, bonk. <laughs> I used to get through work all the time. I don't know why, but like, I'll pick up like a, a styrofoam plate and I'm walking behind my coworker and I pretend like I'm going to hit him like, like with a steel chair, but it's a paper plate. I'm like, bonk. But you know, <laughs> I do it here too. Okay. Uh, the room applauds and Rand, who, who we see is tied to a chair says, that's not funny. Then ask John what they're going to do with her, and and he says, you think I'd tell you? They don't know what they're going to do. These are some demented kids. They have no plan. But also now I think you're right. I think they have no plan. They think he'd tell you, and he turns and he's like, what are we, guys, what are we going to do? Guys, what Just are we going to do Just right wait for now? her to get the disease and die, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, they're, but they're children. They can't think that hard. They're like, bro, what are, now we got to feed her? <laughs> <laughs> Mary walks in, and John asks if something went wrong, because she's not supposed to be there. And she's like, nah. And John's like, okay, don't just stand there. Come in. And Kirk walks in. Howdy doody, children. I am now your father. <laughs> Mary says, tell them, Jim. And John Mockling says, tell them, Jim. And then the whole whole room starts tell chanting, them, tell them, Jim. Tell them, tell Jim. Them, Jim. I, I did not like that. Yeah, that, that was, was that was annoying. It reminded me of how I want to be a teacher. But then I was thinking about, oh, my God, what if they all ganged up on me one day? Like, <laughs> I couldn't. I could not do that i'm like guys all right i quit i'm, I'm bawling my eyes out don't do that to me i i got sensory overload <laughs> you can't all yell at me at once like that all right uh until kirk yells listen to me at which point john yells no yelling in the classroom <laughs> reminds me of the feet off the table <laughs> oh yeah and harry potter <laughs> Feet off the table. Feet off the table. Feet off the table. All right. Uh, some kid says, call the police. And John's friend says, I'm the police. Bonk, bonk. To which John says, no, you're the teacher. And John's friend is like, I've got two jobs. Relatable. <laughs> Relatable. Working nine to five, bro. Yeah. And then also <laughs> like six to ten. Yeah. There we go. Uh, the room starts chanting, blah, blah, blah. Kirk starts pleading for the communicators. The room starts chanting, blah, blah, blah again. And with all the energy of a frustrated dad, it, Kirk screams back. No, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was going to use a clip, but now I'm just going to use you. Kirk tries to tell them that if they don't help, there will be no grups, no onlys, nobody left. John then signals one kid to signal another kid to attack Kirk. Rand warns him. This kid with a club jumps down, <laughs> jumps down behind Kirk, and this is just some kid. So Kirk easily just takes the club from him and pushes him back into a corner. This dude is so rough with this kid, but like, because <laughs> didn't he like yank him down off the table later? I know that's John's friend, different kid, but yeah, he oh. was really rough with that <laughs> kid. That was the bonk bonk kid. The only one he was nice to is like that one little girl that was like, I guess like you know how like. Our daughter runs up to our legs and like puts her head on it. Like that's how that little girl was like up yeah. against Kirk in that one one part. He's really nice to that one. Oh, and Miri, of course. Kirk asks for the communicators again, and the room starts chanting "yeah, yeah, 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 yeah," and the kids all start to crowd Kirk up against the desk, and Kirk's trying to get through to them. You've all seen your friends get the disease. Have you ever seen not seen someone get it? It'll happen to all of you. John's friend straight up just starts hitting Kirk with a wrench. All the other kids just follow the suit. Uh, Kirk gets out of the crowd. His face is covered in blood now. He goes to John and tells him, you've only got a few months left. That's crazy. And John responds, not to Kirk, but to the crowd. He's funny. He thinks he's funny. This dude's a freaking cult leader. <laughs> he's a little modern day Jim Jones. I don't know who that is, but I'm sure you're right. Yeah. It's a little dark, but... Okay. All right. Uh, Kirk then rips his sleeves, showing his arms covered in blue, saying, this will happen to all of you unless you help us. And then Kirk picks up this little girl and asks, what's going to happen to the little ones when, when you all get the disease and die? Uh, there'll be no one to take care of them. And you've eaten all the food, so they'll starve to death. Uh, Miri then shows John the blue spot on her arm, and John just screams, they're grups. I feel like for 300 years, 
without adults, I feel like by that time there'd be a lot more vegetation. And honestly, instinct should kick in by that point, and they could just go eat some grass, dude. Like, the little ones would be fine. I don't know. Maybe they don't know where the grass is because they're, like, in the middle of, like, a city. Are you telling me you don't see grass at all? I don't town? know. Not not a single blade. I don't know. I grass just... doesn't exist in cities, does it? Whatever. Have you seen those post-apocalyptic <coughs> video games and like movies? Like when are we playing The Last of Us? Like there's like greenery everywhere in all those cities. There's vines hanging <coughs> off the buildings. The Last of Us was good. It was. I can't wait to play the second one along with the show. Even though you started playing the second one, I haven't got that far into it. Not far enough. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I watched a couple of YouTube videos about it, and then I found out stuff that I shouldn't have found out because I haven't played it yet. So. <laughs> Ruined it for myself. All right. And then Kirk gives one last speech that actually works. All right. You want to fully? All right. I dare you. I double dare you. Look at the blood on my face. Now look at your hands. Blood on your hands. Now who's doing the hurting? Not the gropes. It's you hurting, yelling, maybe killing. Just like the gropes you remember and the creatures you're afraid of. You're acting like them and you're going to be just like them unless you let me help you. I'm a grup and I want to help you. I'm begging you, let me help you, or there won't be anything left at all. Please. It's so powerful. <laughs> Cut back to the lab where Spock is loading up Chekhov's hypo. Wait, what? Okay, I'm going to explain that. So Chekhov's gun is a writing term. It's like, you see a gun in Act 1 in one of a story. You're, it's got to be used by Act 3. It's like, you see a weapon in in a story, it's... You, the weapon's got to be used or else what are you doing so but it's not just weapons you can do that with anything so for this example the hypo spray that is loaded at the beginning of the scene like it's going to be used by the end of the scene okay i see now i also figured david would ask me about that because he'd be like what Chekhov? i thought he's not there yet because <laughs> Chekhov's a, a character in star trek hmm but yeah okay uh, McCoy says we can't wait anymore. Spock says they have to because the stuff could kill. Then why did you load the hypo, Spock? You did this. True. Uh, Bones' response is that the disease will definitely kill. Spock says arguing is pointless. I'm going to check on the captain and leaves. Bones hypos himself, screams for Spock, and falls to the ground. Spock in a red shirt hear it and run back in to find McCoy unconscious. It's so the medicine actually didn't affect him. He's just really scared of needles. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, it was just an visceral reaction. He was like, oh, God! I don't think it's a needle, though. I think it's like this futuristic thing that's not a needle. Well, he's scared of futuristic things that aren't needles. Okay. Uh, Kirk he's is, always scared. <laughs> Kirk is walking through the hallway, uh, talking on the communicator, carrying a little girl. That little girl is actually William Shatner's daughter. The one little one he was holding? Yeah. I didn't... Wow. Yeah, like, sh like that's uh, why he was so sweet to her. Uh, Shatner's daughters were in in the scenes with the kids, like uh, Grace Lee Whitney's sons, uh, the the director's kids, uh, Roddenberry's daughters. They tried to get Nimoy to bring his kids, but he was like, "I'm keeping my kids as far away from the entertainment business as I can." Absolutely, as you should, <laughs> King. Ironically, his son grew up to be a director, so... That's his choice. <laughs> that is his choice. I'm just saying, that is that is some good parenting there. Yeah, uh, just like Josh Peck. He doesn't want his kids anywhere near acting, but... I get that. I just could never imagine, but... You know, you can only protect your kids so much. All right. Uh, Kirk sees Bones and asks Spock what happened. Spock says he injected himself and I found him like this. But then they noticed that, that the spots on Bones' face were fading away. John then asks, Is this supposed to be a good thing, Miri? And Miri says, Of course it is. Uh, back on the Enterprise, we learn that they left a medical team to take care of the kids, and that Space Central is going to send teachers and advisors, and Bones jo jokingly adds, And truant officers. I'm just going to say, is like, we never, like, whenever they. F God. The walk off into the sunset moment with Kirk, where like they they do the cure, they realize it's a cure, but then, like he just walks away and is like, "Oh yeah," it's like, "Are you gonna take it, or are you just you just <laughs> like, all right, take me back to the ship? I can affect everyone right now, and they'll be fine." <laughs> yeah, that is odd. <laughs> all right, uh, and then we get this uncomfortable exchange. 
Mary, she really loved you, you know. Yes. I never get involved with older women, you know. Mr. Spark? Captain? Pull ahead. Walk back to one. Walk back to one, Captain. And that is the end of our episode. It was, it, I, I mean, I think that's like the second or third time I saw it. It was this last time I saw it. Yeah. And like, I've only fully paid attention to it this last time, but like every now and then, like, I don't know, parts of it would stand out. I never, I never knew the disease monster person in the beginning. I never saw that part before the other day. And then like every single time, like I was doing something and it was in the background, I would hear the, the flirting with the Miri and it was I was like, ew, gross. What the heck? So, you know. Okay. So what do you think about this episode overall? I think it's decent. I think, I think I've gotten used to, like, all the old, like, filming stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. bad CGI, which is good CGI at the time. Okay, I'm not. The funny thing about that is the version I showed you was like the remastered, like enhanced CGI. It wasn't the original. Oh, never CGI. mind. It's trash. Then. <laughs> I don't know. I I thought it looked good, and like it's it's still like older stuff, but yeah. I think the writing is okay. So yeah, I like this episode, except for the whole Kirk being weird and flirting with the child thing. Yeah. Although to be fair, the actress was like nineteen or twenty, but that's still weird. Still weird, and the it's character still the freaking chibi theory, and the bro. character was a child, so it's weird. I also like abs- technically they were three hundred years old, well over, but also there's like behind the scenes stuff to happen that makes me absolutely hate this episode. Uh, join us next week for the Conscious of the King. Hopefully, David will be back this week. He didn't want to drive through the non-existent snow. Hey, it's snowing now. It's snowing right now. Not the a day week that later. Wanted- it's not a the week day later. that you guys scheduled, but. <laughs> It is snowing now, so there's some credit. All right, you can find me everywhere at Couch Talks Movies. Ryan, you don't have any social no media. No social media. You can't find her. You can hmm. find me at your local Raising Canes. <laughs> if you work at one specific <laughs> no, Raising Canes, I work Canes at all of them. That I'm not gonna tell you where. It I is. work at all of them. Every single one of them. You'll never. You'll never see me in the <laughs> same place twice. All right. Um. You can find the show at Tomorrow Trek Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and at patreon.com slash tomorrow is yesterday. Um, and don't forget to check out our stuff on the Couch Podcast Network store at couchtheaters.com. It's a long story. And until next time, live long and bonk. bonk.